0: I think that ties in with what I have to share with you this morning. Um, Hopefully my voice holds up. (laughs) So the topic that I've been studying This I titled, Abolish Slavery and Embrace Slavery. I'd be interested in knowing what all goes through your head when I say that. There is so much tied with that word slavery. Um, There's many different directions you could take it. There's uh, so many different forms of slavery. I'm going to start out with a story, um, just kind of an overview of Thomas Garrett. How many of you know who Thomas Garrett was? You'll probably remember once I say. Um, I expect more people would know who who was, although I didn't. So, but anyway, he was very well known in the Underground Railroad. I think he was. I think Levi Coffin and him were like, kind of, president or whatever. They like kind of an they didn't really have a set you know this guy's the president and this guy does this and this but they were kind of the leaders in that they were looked out to the leading underground railroads of helping slaves from the south reach freedom in the north um, <clears throat> he is well known for the family that he helped escape the hawkins family Um, in 1848 there was some free slaves involved in that Uh, long story short through the court the court was on freedom's side Uh, Garrett got permission to transport the family uh, but there was two actual slaves within the family that were born into slavery even though one of the parents was free Um, a little while later after he uh, help transport them to Pennsylvania for freedom. The there was two different. I guess the two children were owned by two different slave owners, and they both came uh, pressing charges and sued Thomas and uh, John Huff. I think was his name. Thomas, being more the ringleader, uh, was pressed with the heavier fines. Um, up until then, he was. Uh, well, known both by slaves but also slave hunters, the people that, uh, you know, they put a price on the slaves that so you bring them back and we'll give you $500, which was probably more like $5,000 or something, in today's at least. Um, but anyway, so he was a very wanted man, but he was really good at, I think he really enjoyed evading the officers and hiding them and coming up with ways to deter them and say, well, maybe you should check there, you know, whatever. Um, he was a very bold man, but they had $10,000 on his head. Like, if you can, if they told the, I forget, like the the jails or whatever, if you guys can l- secure this man, lock him up, get him, lock him up, we, we'll give you $10,000. Uh, just with s- very minimal uh, facts that I have or, I can take a wild guess that maybe that would have been more like a million dollars uh, than what we would know today. Um, so he was, like, really wanted. So they finally were able to press charges against him. Uh, I guess not quite enough to lock him up. They all, he was just so able to avoid that or evade that. Um, but they fined him for $5,400. Uh, to give you a picture of how much that was, it left him bankrupt. He had a farm. He, I think he made shoes or something. Uh, had a big business, very successful businessman, but it left him penniless. He didn't have a dollar after that. <clears throat> the judge said, Thomas, I hope you will never be caught at this business again. I really wish I could find... This hour-long speech, but Thomas—I don't know if it was, I don't think it was in reply to the judge, but somewhere in that court case, he gave Thomas gave an hour-long speech, which I found to be very interesting. I don't know of any of that happening today. Maybe it does, but <laughs> um, like a convict giving an hour-long speech. So, but anyway, in response to what the judge said, he is like, Judge, thou hast left me without a dollar. But I say to thee and to all in this courtroom that if anyone knows of a fugitive who wants his shelter, send him to Thomas Garrett, and he will befriend him. Very famous words of him there. He was bold. He was not scared. He he also made the statement, I think, in that speech that after today, I will not only keep on doing it, but I'm going to double it. And it is said that he was successful in doubling his efforts of helping them escape. Okay, so just to bring out how bold he was, how willing he was uh, to risk his life per se. Like he was endangered. Uh, he, had, uh, he had people coming on horseback and you know, looking for these slaves. Um, if he wouldn't tell them, give them any information, they would pull out guns or knives and be like, start threatening him and stuff, and he'd just be like, he'd just boldly push those aside and say, those are for, you know, the people that are swayed by fear or whatever. Like, just he didn't, like, he didn't even let that push him around. Um, so he was he was willing to lose everything, and that still did not smother his compassion for these people that were in slavery today there are many many different things I could talk about as far as slavery um, there's human trafficking there's human trafficking for the sex trade there's for forced labor um, there's different branches of that there is um, yeah there's there's many different facets of slavery that still happens today but the one I want to talk to you today is something you're very familiar with and I would have liked to ask you a trick question but I guess I won't but I think there's many many slaves sitting right here Um, if we're not a slave you should be Um, or you maybe you should not be depending which slave you are maybe you're starting to catch on What was that? Who's our master. Who's our master, that's right. So that's where I'm headed. Who are we serving? Um, I'm going to talk about being a slave unto Christ and being a slave to sin. Um, These are are very real, um, very real slavery today. Uh, Probably a lot more real than most of us realize is the bondage of sin not just in our own lives and all the little petty sins that we talk about and then a few big ones, but there's people around us uh, that don't, don't know Christ that yeah, we just look at them and we say they need Jesus but there is a lot of bondage that they would have to work through. Yes, uh, Jesus does miracles. Yes, they need Jesus um, But let's not forget that it's not going to be easy for them. Uh, And neither is it easy for um, any other slavery for people to escape. Let's open our Bibles to Romans 6, verse 15. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I will try not to bore you with Greek words today, but I started digging into that a little bit, and it was really fascinating. Um, there's at least six different Greek words for servant. Um, so it was interesting seeing which servant was used at different places. The one here would have been "doulos," which is translated a slave. And it's interesting the Strong's put it. It could be literal slaves or figurative. It could be involuntary or it could be voluntary. Um, so. I take the freedom to apply it the way I understand it. When it says, once you were slaves of sin, refers to all of us, our natural tendency is sin. I see that as involuntary. However, God has made a way for us to be made free. But he doesn't want us to stop there. He wants us to willingly choose to be a slave or enslave ourselves. Enslave is another word that's used. I think Paul used it one time when he said when he referred to himself as a servant of Christ. It was like enslaved to Christ. So it was like he willingly enslaved himself, uh, to Christ. And so the first part, the the negative slavery, the slavery of sin, I see it's involuntarily initially. Uh, I think we can Voluntarily uh, become more the slave of sin or stay or remain the slave of sin. Um, But with the cross, Jesus has made a way for us to abolish that, to get rid of it. Okay, yeah, verse 19. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, but as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield yourselves servants to righteousness unto holiness. So he's saying, what I understand he's saying there is we do have infirmities. We do have. Uh, weaknesses we do have inclinations to sin. But he's saying that you have the power. God has given you the the free will to choose. Like who are you gonna serve? Are you keep doing what you grew up doing, what you know, uh, what comes naturally? Are you just gonna do that? Or he's saying yield your members Servants through righteousness unto holiness. Become a willing slave. I think is what he's saying there. First Corinthians seven, verse twenty. First Corinthians seven, verse twenty. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Art thou called, being a servant? Care not for it, but if thou mayest be free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's freeman. Likewise also he that is called, being free, is Christ's servant. You should continue on as you were when God called you. Are you a slave? Don't let that worry you, but if you get a chance to be free, take it. And remember, if you were a slave when the Lord called you, the Lord has now set you free from the awful power of sin. And if you are free when the Lord called you, you are now a slave of Christ. So, He's saying, "Don't hang there in the middle." It's hard for me. It's hard, I think, for us as uh, with the Western mindset. We like we like liberty. We like our freedom. We like to make our own choices. We it's about us. We 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 freedom. We like to hang there in the middle. It's like we're free from sin. We can choose to do whatever we want, and we choose to serve God. You know, that's what we say. And hopefully that's what we do. But he, he's calling us too much more than that. He's saying, you are set free from sin. So now if you are free, if you found that freedom, I don't know, I, I didn't study into this very deeply and I may be taking this one a little bit out of context. So if I get off too far, correct me. But if you're free... From sin, make that choice to become a slave. Like make that commitment. I'm going to talk a little bit about the piercing of the ear in the Old Testament. I, I find that kind of intriguing, but I didn't take much time. I just thought about it this morning and quick looked up an article on it. Um, so I don't, I can't go into that too deeply, but. I'll touch on that later. Just hang in there. In verse 23, he said, You are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. So, he's saying, I bought you with a price. Um if I'm not mistaken, I don't have any facts to back it up, but from what I understand, there was times, uh, whether it was in the Old Testament or whether it was in um, slavery here in America, or maybe both, that sometimes someone would buy a slave just to set him free. They, they'd say, you know what, I'm going to buy you. I'm going to take you. Yeah, you're my rightful property, but you're free. Like, I want to see you live a free life. I see that kind of as what Jesus did. He's like, You're free. But then we should be like that servant that says, You've been such a kind master. I want to stay here. You've, you've been really good to me, you've uh, treated me well, treated my family well. Um, I'm going to stay with you. And then that's where they would get their ear pierced. Um, But anyways. Go on to chapter 9, 1 Corinthians, verse 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. So he's choosing to be a slave others my focus this morning that I want to leave you with is not so much for your own personal life I think most of us here have found that freedom and hopefully most of us have made that commitment to serve Christ, to be a slave of Christ. Uh, may we do that more and more. But my focus, where I want to turn our focus to is what is our place in this slavery to be like Thomas Garrett? To help those that are in bondage to sin find that freedom. This is just to get your mind turning. I don't have all the answers, but I mean, we we have many different methods that we use of reaching out, ministering to people, evangelizing. But I think there is so much more to this. Um, are we willing to help them, not just escape from the farm where they're working, from the slavery, from the bondage they're in, from that sin, are we not just willing to help them escape that, but to help them along the route to freedom, using some terminology from the Underground Railroad. There would be different people, and they'd take them as far as they could, but they knew that in such and such a town over there, uh, they could drive those eight Ten hours, uh, mostly through the dark. But by the time they get there, it'll be getting daylight. But they try to do it in the dark so they don't get caught. But they knew that that person over there is on our side, and he's part of this. He's working for the kingdom. You know, he's working for the slaves, and he's going. We can, if we can get them safely there, they can hide them, and then they can take them on to the next place. Are we willing to do that for people that come out of the bondage of sin? And not just leave them hanging, like, okay, now you're saved, glory to God, praise God, move on with life. And they eventually get, most times they get caught again. They slide back into their old ways, they go back to what's familiar. Are we willing to disciple? Are we willing to make sure that they're safely uh, passed on that route? <clears throat> so don't use your own freedom. For self-gratification use your freedom to set others free first uh, Philippians I think that's what I'm ready for Yeah, Philippians 2 verse 5. Do we take it to that extent? Do we become a servant, a slave? Are we that committed to Christ? I mean, I haven't been anywhere close to being killed. Just throw it out there. Are we that committed? Let's be more like Christ. We want to be more like Christ. We say that all the time. Do we realize what that means? Are we willing? Are we ready so hopefully my title is making sense by now embrace the slavery that of jesus christ being enslaved to jesus but abolish sin the slavery to sin let's get rid of it let's help people from uh, to freedom and on to serving christ Okay, I think we have time to touch on this a little bit. So in Exodus 21, 1 through 6, when you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh he shall go free for nothing. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to God, and he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall be his slave forever. This is from the article I read. Uh, uh, Right after the dramatic exodus from slavery in Egypt, God tells them that the first thing you should know about slaves is that they should go free for nothing. That the Hebrew people should not be indefinitely enslaved, but offered the chance to go to go free after a limited time of service. After that, the slave might choose to stay out of love for the master, but that should be a matter of free choice. Deuteronomy 15, uh, basically says say it's the same thing in what we just read. If your brother, a Hebrew man or Hebrew woman is sold to you, he shall serve you six years, and in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you. And when you let him go free from you, you shall not let him go empty-handed. You shall furnish him liberally out of your flock, out of your threshing floor, and out of your winepress. As the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall give to him. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore I command you this today. If he says to you, I will not go out from you, because he loves you and your household, since he is well off with you, then you shall take an awl and put it through his ear into the door, and he shall be your slave forever." I'm not going to read everything here, but they started drawing parallels. Um, let me just read this little paragraph here. Take the principal ideas to start with nails driven through flesh, blood on door frames that would take him to the doorposts, and that's where it was done. Uh, permanent piercing with holes and scars forever. You start seeing the parallels of Jesus and those. It's some interesting thoughts there Jesus also has permanent scars his scars also came about from having his flesh pierced on wood as a result of love and willingly submission to serve not my will but yours he said the son of man came not to be served but to serve Jesus is the ultimate servant whose glorious scars all other scars can only only be a shadow of and it talks about in John twenty nineteen through 20, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's the, uh, hopefully that all comes together. Feels like it's a little bit scattered, but they would they would pierce the slave's ear As a, as a tube for a mark. And when they go out and about, people would see, oh, that slave must have a kind master. That slave, like, it would speak for the slave owner too. Um, wow, and, and it'd be I think it was something they'd be like, kind of look up to, you know, this this guy's willing to commit the rest of his life to serve this person. He's such a good master. Uh, May we do that for Jesus.